Welcome to Top 5, the best of 2018, where the Explosion Network is celebrating everything we loved about 2018, from games, music, TVs, movies, and online media. You can head on over to explosionnetwork.com slash best of 2018 to find all of a celebratory content. My name is Dylan Blight, and joining me for this episode, Ashley Hobley. Hey Dylan, excited to be here. Talk about TV. Television, do you watch that there things? Television or stream television? That's the ones. They're the ones we're talking about. Uh, So if you didn't gather from that silly little bit of banter, today's episode is all about our top five TV show subcategories, which if you've been paying attention to this past week on our social media, we have been releasing throughout the whole week. But today we're going to be going over each one, uh, the winners in a bit more detail. And the categories are best new TV show, best episode, best actor, best returning series, and best Netflix, Amazon, or Stan series. Let's get into it. So I'm going to start with best new TV series. Yep. What's number five, Ash? Number five is Nailed It on Netflix. Welcome to Nailed It! Oh my god. The the wacky, zany cooking show about not cooking very good. That's probably uh, a pretty good description of it, actually. (laughs) So, yeah, Nailed It is hosted by Nicole Byer and uh, Jocks Torres. It's kind of hard not to want to say it with an accent, but I think you have to say it with an accent anyway. Uh, But, yeah, so those two host it. They have guest judges sometimes, uh, but it's just those in the, the, the main series usually, apart from some special episodes or the Christmas series that's happening at the moment. Holiday series that's happening at the moment, sorry. And they get in pretty regular people and say, hey, here's a really overly overcomplicated, ridiculous thing. Here's some time. See how you can go putting it together. And it's just funny because sometimes people's things just look so bad. Not even close. So, so, so bad. Like some people, you can understand what they were going for and maybe a bit more time and less stress they could have got there. But some people, it's just like, I. It's mush. I don't even understand <laughs> how you no, got there. No, you had to so. do that. You had the recipe in front of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some people are like, the recipe doesn't make any sense. And they'll be like, what? It does. <laughs> it's simple. That's it's what it's for. Instructions. It's meant to be yeah. correct. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Uh, so, hap- uh, nailed it. Number four, we've happy which I will put a parenthesis on and say, yes, it did kick off at Christmas time in 2017, but it then went over into 2018 and finished up there. So, Hey, mister, come on, snap out of it. Hey, can you see me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can see me. I'm happy. The happy horse, 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 so full of fun. Of course, of course. Uh, happy is a Netflix TV series uh, here in Australia. In America, it was airing on a different channel. Like it was a FX or some, some, something some like that, maybe. Yeah. So, and I don't think it even started airing here until a, a bit later on Netflix and it would have already wrapped up in, a, in America. But um, so it's based on the Grant Morrison comic. Grant Morrison is involved in the series as well. And it's about a guy who. Uh, <laughs> it's also, I like to point out the guy is Christopher Maloney. And this is my favorite thing he's ever done is this TV series because it's so funny just to watch him in it. He's a washed up ex-cop 
uh, ex-detective who's now kind of a hitman or, you know, gun for hire type scenario. And he nearly gets killed. And then when he wakes up in a hospital, uh, in an ambulance on the way, there is a floating, talking unicorn uh, that's really cartoon. And they don't try and make it look real in the show. I mean, it looks like something out of a kid's animated TV show because it, that's, it's his daughter's... Uh, imaginary friend, <laughs> right? Imaginary uh, unicorn yeah. friend. It's imaginary unicorn friend, and that's voiced by Patton Oswald. And then here, the show is pretty much about uh, this hitman dude trying to f- find. Yep, and there's a talking unicorn. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's really hard to explain. It's re- it's a really really weird show. It's also very adult. It's about so it's quite violent at times. But at the same time, it's just so silly. And there's a flying unicorn that the violence is kind of offset, I suppose. And it is coming back for a second season. So that's going to be quite exciting. Quite looking forward to that one. Uh, what do we have at number three, Ash? Number three is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. In the town of Greendale, where it always feels like Halloween, <laughs> there lived a girl who was half witch. Absolute omen. Half mortal, who on her 16th birthday would have to choose uh, between two worlds. Reboot of the Sabrina the Teenage Witch, kind of the semi sequel to or companion piece to Riverdale, uh, created by Rodrigo. I can't remember what his name is, <laughs> but the showrunner of Riverdale also doing this reimagining of Sabrina, which is much darker and more occult. And it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. yeah. As as someone who is not a big horror fan, I devoured this and I, I wouldn't say it's too horror-ish. It, it, it's in the vein of those supernaturalist shows, but a bit darker. Than, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's way less Riverdale than I kind of feel like we all thought it was going to be. Is another thing. Like, if you're like, oh, from the people that did Riverdale, I don't really like Riverdale. This is like the boy stuff and the girl stuff and the the romance and the. Yeah, that's (laughs) like the boy stuff and the girl stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Aguari Sakasa? I don't know. I really can't say. Um, But yeah, that's uh, Netflix just did a holiday special as well, of course. They've already already said season uh, part two is coming and then. Uh, they are have then followed that up by saying part three and four have also been greenlit now. So yeah. a lot more Super chilling Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, it's great. A lot more chilling Sabrina is on the way. I feel like it's easy to say that show was a big success. It was a huge or, success. Yeah, yeah. especially With putting Netflix. the spot where they've done Stranger Things the last two years. It had a lot to yeah. live up to, and it definitely did. Yeah, really different shows too, but yeah, hit the mark. Um, number two, we've got The Haunting of Hill House. I want you to get good rest. What if I have a bad dream? Oh, I'm sure we can handle any dream you have. What if I dream? Uh, so this series was done by Mike Flanagan, who, uh, wrote and directed the entire run of the thing. Uh, previously he's directed films like Gerald's Game, Hush, uh, Oculus as well, I believe. Uh, yep, Oculus as well. There you go. Um, and it is... So it's based on the book, The Haunting of Hill House, but this... It's been adapted seri- several times, right? 
before. But yeah, so the, it's been adapted a couple into two different movies, like a like fifties or something like that one, and then an early nineties one or early two thousand somewhere like that. Like Owen Wilson and people in it. Uh, so it's been adapted twice, but this version is very loosely adaption. Like it's if you've watched either of the movies or read the book, you're not going to see everything. <laughs> you're not going to see everything coming in this series. And I think what makes this best is although it is a horror TV show, it is m- mostly a drama. It is really at, at the heart of it is, is a drama about a family who had a like kind of horrific, or not kind of, they had a horrific thing happen when they were kids. And then the show is introducing you like the first six or so episodes, basically I'll just follow one of the different members of the family and you get to know them more intensely, uh, intimately, know what they're like, what their problems are, where they are in their life. And it kind of flicks back and forth throughout the whole series. Like this is when they was living in the house. And then you know that in adulthood, they eventually leave that house one night. What happens? What forces them out the house? You don't really know, but it goes backwards and forwards and you see what happens to each character. And then by the time you reach the end of the series, everyone starts getting together for an event. And it's this big family drama that's just covered in this supernatural like horror movie element of it and it was completely engrossing i couldn't i kept i binged it and i say binged it i binged it in a week i feel like that's binging for me these days but you know (laughs) did pretty good definitely another standout series from netflix this year and ash give us the last new top new show of 2018 and then I'd also like to point out at this stage that all five of our new shows of 2018 were in fact Netflix shows. So shocking. <laughs> there's that. There's that. What is number one? Number one is Queer Eye, the new version of the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy that came out in the early 2000s. Guys, you ready? The original show was fighting for tolerance. Our fight is for acceptance. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm excited. Like, I don't know what to expect. Like it's just so good. I mean, it just makes you feel good. It's just a bunch of guys trying to help other people out. Make, trying to bring out the best version of themselves. And uh, every episode is super emotional and, yeah, just makes you feel good. Feel good television. Not enough of it, unfortunately. But Yep. And it, it um, came out of nowhere. No one expected anything from it, really. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure the first time I watched it was I went I went in to watch it as a bit of a joke because I remember sitting in front of my TV in February or whenever it came out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll check this out. I bet you it's fucking ridiculous or stupid. But when I watched it, I was like, I like this. I'll watch another one. I'll watch another one. I'll watch another one. And then I, you know, I start oh, tweeting shit. about it or whatever and <laughs> start getting everyone else on board. Hey, Shree, this show. And Ash is like, oh, Dylan keeps talking about this show. <laughs> Yeah. And then by the time the second by the time the second series rolls around later in the year, we're all just like yeah, explosion network, just queer eye fans, straight in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, inject that shit. <laughs> but yeah, queer, queer eye is definitely one. It has to be the best new show of the year. It's just yeah, it's no other show like it. Just brought such heart, warmth, and feels to all of us. Um, pretty sure all of us that watched it love it. Most people in the world watched it. They all love it. Everyone loves the guys. Yeah, great, great casting. Show. Good job, Netflix. Great casting. Yeah, great group of uh, characters. All, all five of them. So, absolutely love it. Yep. Let's move on to the top five episodes of 2018, as 
brought to you by the Explosion Network. And number five, we have Winner, which is from Better Call Soul Season 4. This is the season finale. Um, I'll also put a bit of an asterisk on this and say that there will be somewhat spoilers as we go over the episodes. Of course, there's no way to really talk about it without some spoilers, but I'll dodge, we'll try to dodge stuff as best as we can when talking about them, I suppose. It nearly broke my heart. And it's not because it's, it doesn't end with even a sad moment. Like, in reality, the, the season finale ends with Jimmy happy. It ends with him quite happy with what's happened. But it's because he's happy and because of what he's done to be happy that makes you as the audience sad. And that's just because it's... Better Call Soul is about watching a guy go from... Just because we know Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad. That's the thing about this show. And we know he's an asshole and we know he's a dick and we know he's just that kind of slimy character. And the, the best thing about Better Call Soul is you can watch the show without having watched Breaking Bad. But also if you watch Breaking Bad, it basically introduces you to a brand new character. Because you can see from season one, there's parts of where you could see this guy goes to becoming... Saul Goodman eventually one day, but at the same time, he's definitely not Saul Goodman. He has heart. He cares about people. He wants to legit be a good lawyer. He wants to make his brother proud and all these sorts of things. But by the time we get to the season finale and the way it just ends after what he's done and he's cheering, it is the episode that ends and goes, he's Saul Goodman. He's now Saul. That's the the moment he became Saul Goodman is in the, in the season finale, titled Winner. And now season five is just going to be horrible to watch just things get worse and worse for, for him and the way it just cuts the credits silently at the, it kind of just cuts randomly too that you, you don't really see it coming and then the credits just start rolling it's like fuck that was a that was a bit of a gut punch uh what do we got number four ash number four we have kick sewer from westworld season two episode eight The synopsis is that it's the telling of Akitcha. Akitcha? I can never pronounce characters' names, even after we did uh, Bevan World with me and Nick, and I still struggle with all the time. And the ghost station's journey to consciousness, Maeve's life hangs in the balance. So this story, this episode was my favorite of the entire season, and it's mostly because it's kind of a nearly standalone episode. It follows the life and story of the, um, the native tribe, um, and particularly one of the main characters from within Westworld and kind of what happens with that character from all the way season one up to season two and it shows us a lot of stuff that we've... Because we, we never really shown much about them for any of the seasons and this episode introduces you to a story that is a lot sadder than you would have thought they could do. Because the thing is, for people who don't watch the show, you're like, well, they're fucking robots. Like, how sad can it be? I'm like, you have no idea how sad... It could be watching a character go through what they do. And even after they realize, and spoilers slightly, it's because the episode, like eventually he does realize there's, you know, he's not right. They're living in a fake world or something like that. But then it's, and this is a lot what I talked about with Nick on our Westworld after show, Bethan World, was I'm like, in his mind, he's not going to be like, oh, he's, he's a robot. It's just trying to contemplate what that means to him 
considering he's programmed to be, you know, this native and like he, he has his own spiritualism and all these sorts of things. And it was acted amazingly. I really hope that I can't remember back to the top of my head, but I, I would still put him up there, my shortlist for best supporting actor in, in a drama series. It's still one of the best performances I've, I've seen all year. His performance in that episode. Absolutely fantastic episode. Um, okay, number three. We've got The Box from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I just had an idea. Two, three, four. Ah! Yeah, I really got to stop trying that. It never works. Uh, so pretty much the whole entire episode is Jake and Captain Holt trying to get a confession out of a dentist for a murder that they're pretty sure he committed. And it's just incredible. It's like a bottle episode. They're pretty much inside that cell, the interrogation room or the adjoining room, uh, the entire episode. It's just incredible back and forth. Just it, And it's so funny. Uh, it it explores the relationship between Jake and Captain Holt and their, his mentor sort of father figure. And yeah, it's just a great episode. Just one of those standout episodes. Uh, the cop suspect is played by Sterling K. Brown, which is sort of the first thing I've seen him in. And I've, I'd heard oh, really? all the buzz about him from This Is Us and that sort of stuff, but he is incredible at this. He uh, got Emmy nominated for this uh, guest performance. So, yeah. a gr- Incredible episode, yeah. Just w- incredibly well-written. The ending all makes sense and uh, <laughs> uh, makes it worth all worthwhile. Yeah. And it's great. Some good, funny jokes. At the start, Captain Holt uh, is meant to go to the opera for the night and he uh, has to call his husband to cancel. Because it's Captain Holt, he tells you he spells out the name. It's uh, the tickets are reserved under, even though it's his last name. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense for that character. Yeah. And yeah, I, does. I yeah. stopped watching it a couple of seasons ago, but I can still see that happening. Yeah. Uh, number two, we've got nothing shattered from Glow season two, episode seven. The fuck you say? Lady wrestlers. I get it. Women can do anything men do. Blah, blah, blah. I have not caught up on Glow Season 2, though, Ash. No, so you, I think you need you're to. You're representing here. Yeah. You're representing. Um, so this is kind of the common... This, in this episode, there's the combination of the Ruth-Debbie relationship. In the premiere, uh, we found out that Ruth has been cheating with Betty's husband. And that sort of set a lot of things in motion because they broke up. Debbie's life completely changed. And this is... Uh, they just had a televised wrestling match and Ruth has gotten injured as part of her match with Ru- Debbie uh, because Debbie was on cocaine. Uh, so hmm. there's a lot of emotions on both sides and then there's this incredible scene where they just have out with ev- everything, all their past relationship because they were best friends before. So how yeah, yeah. their friendship was with everything and them screwing each other's lives up and incredible scene and it sort of sets the rest of the season up as well yeah it sets the rest of the season up but episode seven <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Send, change the tone yeah <laughs> yeah i got you uh so number one what do we have ash two storms the haunting of hill house i'm assuming it's episode seven the episode i saw everybody six. raving about the episode six Episode six, the episode I saw everybody raving about. Maybe you better stay away from these windows. The storm's getting really 
so there's there's two episodes people like. It's uh, this one and the bent neck lady. I know a lot of people start scream about the bent neck lady as well. To be honest, if I was putting together my personal top five episodes list, I would definitely have two storms and bent neck like bent neck lady in the top three. But because both those episodes are just standouts of the year, some of the best television I've watched. And I think that says something for how good The Haunting of Hill House is. But Two Storms is kind of the culmination episode of everything that we've had uh, leading up to this moment, which is that... So at the start of the episode, start of the season, a character dies um, very early on. And then we kind of get shown all the different characters, as I was saying earlier... Um, flashing back forth and then in the the current timeline we're finding out that that we get to see them react to the fact that a character's dead and they're all going to have to meet up eventually to go to a funeral together but this is a family that pretty much stays apart like you you know like one brother and sister may talk to one another um and we 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 know what these relationships are basically no one talks to the dad anymore and this is the episode where they all get together and not only do they all get together this is the episode that was basically shot in two 20 minute long no cut sequences so and the majority of it takes place inside a um what's the word for it not like a like a like the where the funeral's happening what funeral place home thing you know like they're there inside there's a chair there's a thing where the box sits I, I don't know the official word i can't remember i'm sorry you, you search for the word actually search that brain of yours you'll, you'll get it <laughs> but yeah so the, the majority of the, the episode takes place in that place and it's just characters going at one another primarily for the most of the episode for like 20 minutes just arguing backwards and forwards but it's it's moments that you want to see these characters have it's moments that you've had build up all season and the camera just swoops around and around in the slow pans and follows them up and down this place and you get to see what's happening you get to see the motion build up and it's just kind of watching a stage play for the most of the episode it's just because where it's being filmed and where it's taking place there's nothing particularly exciting about it and for the most part you just get the focus on actors but then there are subtle details like the fact that the camera will go around like a 360 and there are these weeping angel like statues in the background and every time the camera goes past them again they've changed their positions slightly oh so it's a doctor who time so yeah (laughs) something yeah something like that um so, so they do like production wise it's amazing and then what happens is one of the characters um the dad eventually ends up like storming off through one of the whole the hallways and we follow him through to the hallway and then they had to interconnect and behind the scenes they talked about how they designed the actual house that they like the house the, the where the title is the haunting of hill house hill house they designed hill house to be connectable to the the set at the funeral play home because funeral they needed Funeral parlor, thank you. At the funeral parlor, because they knew that they were going to do this episode where they wanted them to connect. Because the the dad walks down this corridor and it connects straight into the the hill house. And then there's the actors playing the younger versions there. And then the camera just goes into that room, and all of a sudden we're in a past scene. And then that has a really long, ridiculously interconnected, long cut sequence take place with all those actors before coming back. And it's just, it was amazing. It is the most enthralling. 40 whatever minutes or an hour or whatever it was episode of TV I've watched all year personally. It was just intense, like performance wise, amazing. Just watch like watching this play come out. And then just to think about how much production and planning went into getting all these pieces of the puzzle correct 
without them falling apart. And I think they said they had the film, like it's, they got on their fifth take or something like that. But still, I think it's just, and it's not like the whole, oh, it's a long shot sequence makes it better than it would have been. I still feel like the, the script and, you know, everything is just fantastic, but it just does add to the, the drama. It. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely elevates it. So that is our number one episode of 2018. So move on to our top five actors. Starting at number five, we have Darren Chris uh, from American Crime Story, the assassination of Gianni Versace. You said I looked Latino. But if somebody asks for a Latino, I can't send them an Asian. And my Latinas are studs. What are your greatest attributes? I'm clever, uh, witty. Uh, I'm very fun to be around. My clients aren't looking for a wife. I was thinking more along the lines of how big. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this this show this year. He plays so uh, he he plays the the villain, I guess. Or the but at the same the villain also the main character of the the whole show. So um, and he plays him to a, to a point where you you know he's a bad guy, right? So you, you, it's not like you particularly like him, but at the same time he's not so dislikable that you want to not watch it if you know what i mean like because you, you got to be able to put up with him in that role for the 10 for the 10 to 12 or whatever episodes it is um and he makes the role watchable <laughs> i'm not saying it's a, which sounds like a really weird, weird way to describe it but he's just like he's a villain but you kind of feel bad for him at some point because especially the way he was brought up but then i think it also says a lot about how americans like, like how he was brought up, like the American dream for him and these sorts of things. And but, and then also, I mean, the biggest element of the whole series is like, uh, what's the fucking word? Like self-hatred, like self-homophobic hatred or like there's a, there's a better way to put that. I can't, I can't really think of it at the moment. But that's like a, what a lot of this story is really about because he is gay, but he also has a lot of, self-hate it seems for gay people and stuff which you wouldn't think because he's very open and flamboyant as a character and all that but then the, the story of like why he killed Gianni Versace kind of comes down to this void hatred there and then you also see elements where people would pick on him for his own sexuality and all these sorts of things so there's like elements happening to the show and he he won the Emmy for it didn't he or something along those lines or was at least nominated I can't yeah he was definitely at least nominated I might have won the Emmy I'm 100% sure not 100% sure yeah but um fantastic in that role and definitely helps bring that entire series together uh because you get to see him play at different roles too like when he's younger he's a little bit of a different character to when he's older and he actually kills Gianni Versace in the series and he, the series like flashes backwards and forwards in time at points. So he's kind of playing different characters at points. Really, really good. Yeah, he won the Who Emmy. Who have a number? F- he won the Emmy? Well, there yep. you go. See? Yep. Damn well deserves number five in our list then. Uh, who have we got at number four, Ash? Number four, we have Donald Glover for Atlanta. I'm sorry. Stevie Wonder. Stevie had his own sacrifices. He was blind. Yeah, but he wasn't blind, dead. He saw through his music. That's beautiful. But well, here's the thing, right? You can call out the Teddy uh, what, episode six or what? What is the name of that episode where he plays? Uh, 
in the makeup and everything no like that. Atlanta. I'll look it up. Hold on. Well, it's fine. We'll go on the flight here because I wanted to make sure I get the episode number correct. Teddy Perkins, right? It's episode six, number two, where he plays Teddy Perkins um, is where Darius goes to get this piano. And this is probably the standout episode that most people talked about from the series because no one knew it was Donald Glover until later. No one knew when I was really watching it. Donald Glover's in this big costumed, playing this white character. who's very old, not very old, but like this old guy, creepy old guy who's uh, Darius in the series is buying a piano off and that's great performance and everything it's very creepy but overall I think Donald Glover's performance in the whole show even though as his normal character is underrated to a, to a degree to a degree because I feel like a lot of times he's the kind of grounding element of it because you've got Darius in the series who's very weird and different you know he's odd it's one way to put it. And then you've got uh, Paperboy himself, who's more, you know, he's not going to carry the series as that character. Like Paperboy, if he was the main character, wouldn't carry the series because he's just a kind of dislikable for the most part. You yeah. know, like he's fine, but he's not a very likable character because he has a lot of issues. And a lot of times you're root- the character you're actually rooting for is Earn, which is Donald Glover. And I think he just plays, I hate to make the pun, but I feel like he does play that role earnestly. You know, just very simple but i think that's the kind of role that you can get underrated for but it does help ground the rest of the characters and the series into what it is because at times it can be very fucking weird but it's also a drama at heart even though it gets really odd at times uh you got anything for donald Glover? you can just do everything and anything there you go take it home take it home and leave it like that number three we've got rachel bros Brosnahan from yep. The Marvelous, Mrs. Maisel, one of Ash's favorite shows. And because it's better than anything I could have imagined, I thought I should get up here today and tell all of you that I love this man. And yes, there is shrimp in the egg rolls. <laughs> Miriam! Yeah, she's just incredible. Uh, her, she just delivers dialogue so well. And she gets handed a lot of dialogue and then and they're always these long single takes as well so she has to have memorized everything beforehand which i guess is part of the gig of being an actor um i've just really loved the show and i think it, it wouldn't work if she wasn't playing that role and sort of holding it down being as funny as she is and delivering these incredible crazy monologues just out of nowhere just stream of it it seems like it's stream of thought like it's just coming off at the top of the head but clearly it's very well written material so if you can make stuff like that look like it's just off the cuff rather than clearly written down it's pretty impressive i think good pairing with the writing to have yep. like her as the actress being able to to make the writing work so well and bring it to life, of course. Yeah. Because you could have the, the writing be as good as it is and then the leading, the leading actor or actress not being able to... Deliver it. To perform it. Yeah, yeah, deliver it the way it deserves, I guess. And she, she does that. All right. Who do we have at number two, Ash? Number two, we have Amy Adams in Sharp Objects. Did he? Yeah, I'm hearing about uh, Natalie Keene and that other little girl in Nash. To write a story? Yes, Mom, it's a newspaper. Camille, I just don't understand why a young woman like you would want to even dwell on such things. Well, it could be an important story, and uh, being from here... I knew those children. 
I'm having a very hard time, as you can imagine. Yep, so Sharp Objects and Amy Adams is one of, like, stand out as one of the best performances of the year for me in TV. However, it's not something I'd particularly want to go back and rewatch to double check if that was for sure, because it's a <laughs> very dark show. And I, I've seen it, like, I've seen her in interviews say she would definitely never do a second series just because she wouldn't want to get back into the mind space of the character she was playing. So I think that says a lot, but just such a layered character that she plays and one with such a dark, well, I mean, I say dark history, but then it's not exactly like she's old sunflowers in the, in the present timeline when you're watching the show either, but such a multi-layered character that she plays so well, that is so dark in a dark world, dark players. I don't, without spoilers, of course, because I don't really want to go into it because I want people to watch it. But really great. Brings that character to life. Really hard performance to pull off, to be able to carry what that character's baggage is, I suppose, <laughs> to, yeah. to to real life the way she does and, and pull it off. So, yeah. Amy Adams is great. And number one, we have Alison Brie from... Alone. We were in his hotel room. It was a dinner, but then it was not dinner. And Glenn was there, but then he was not there. And he said he wanted to talk about my career, which he did, but he also wanted to wrestle. Yeah, she's just stellar all season. She's the the heart and soul of that show. Um, she goes through a whole series of different emotions. She's funny. She's uh, depressing. She's angry. She does. Uh, she plays multiple different roles, I guess, sort of. As she plays, she acts as a character as well on the on the show. Um, yeah, she does a bit of everything. It, she gets to exp- show her full uh, range of talent and ability. Uh, of course, we all know her from Community and she, the work she did on Mad Men as well. And this sort of gives her an opportunity to do a bit of both. And mm-hmm. on top of that, doing the physical wrestling stuff that they have to do in the show as well. So I think it's super impressive. And this second season is definitely a step up for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a role where she gets to do <laughs> more than any of her previous stuff, I feel. Yeah. You know, because in Community, where most people know if I'm I. I yeah, for sure. Most people know mostly from community. It's a very one layered role. I I don't know. Like there wasn't much to to not any, initially. She sort of made it more. I think. Yeah. Um. And then a man, man. She, you know, she was just a girlfriend. That was, I suppose, yeah, way more yeah. one dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Way. Yeah. That was definitely way more dimensional. I I kind of like how she's writing this series as her like passion project too. Yeah. As well, and, like you can tell she has passion for glow and likes the role and, and the cast like leading yeah. it and, and cast everything. So it's really, really great. All right, let's move on to top five returning series of 2018. Uh, number five, we have Atlanta. get us robbed just talking about Atlanta came back for a second series in 2018 uh, I think the second series was a lot better I think maybe it's just because we got the character know the characters more 
there were some really weird episodes and standout ones like the Teddy Perkins episode. But uh, and then also the the finale was intense. I'd say. <laughs> I'd, there's one way one way to put it, I suppose. But really, really enjoy it. Atlanta is basically. I don't know, like people describe it as uh, like Curb, but for the hip hop world, like Curb yeah. enthusiasm, but for the hip hop world, I suppose, which I is one that. way to kind of put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you really you really enjoyed season two? No, I haven't seen season two yet. I it's on my oh, to do list. I but from season I thought one, I went back. Okay, I thought yeah. you went back for it. No, yeah. Did you just watch the first See, episode. No, what happened is I watched Marvel's, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel after an episode of What uh, Do You Want to Watch? I watched and you Atlanta. watched Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes no sense. But yeah, Atlanta. Season two, a lot better than the first season, I feel. Not saying the first season was bad, but uh, it's it's definitely got that. I know these characters more now. I kind of know what we're doing. And I'm enjoying it a lot more with the stories they're telling with these characters, more so than the first season is getting introduced to the characters, getting to understand them more. Who is this? Where do they fit in to these other characters? And in this one, it's like, I understand who they are now. You can just put them into storylines and I can witness it. And like even a lot of stories with... Uh, there's like a whole episode where Ern goes off with his... Uh, his ex, who he has a child with, and they kind of go off to this German dance thing, and that episode's really interesting for a, a lot of uh, a lot of reasons. But they can do like the storylines they do are, I'd say none, none of them feel like something I've seen in other comedy shows. That's for sure. Like there, there's definitely Donald Glover does this show and does get to tell a lot of really interesting stories with storylines that. I've subtle in the background sometimes for what, what the point is, I guess, which I quite enjoy because it is a comedy, but at the same time, it is a drama a lot of the time. So really great show. Uh, number four, Ash. Number four is Better Call Saul season four. The guy's story changes every time he tells it. Strictly gainful employment and in 10 months, poof, I'm a lawyer again. Why don't you stop running the game on me and just tell me about so, the job? Season four, I feel a lot of... I saw a lot of people have problems with. I didn't personally have the problems I didn't. I would say it's definitely... Well, look, season four is the season in which I'm like, fuck, is Better Call Saul better than Breaking Bad? And that's like that's the, the line of thinking I've been in when I was watching season four. And I'm not going to lock in that and make that decision until the season's... Fin- like the show's finished and I can kind of weigh them side by side because for all I know, Better Call Saul could come back for a really horrible season five and then wrap up in season six, which is good. But then it's like, well, Breaking Bad never had a horrible season. Better Call Saul did. So, you know, outweigh it there. But at the moment, Better Call Saul season four starts heading, not like a full engine, full speed train, but it definitely starts heading at a medium engine train towards Breaking Bad a lot more. You've got characters coming into the show that are way more connected to Breaking Bad. Um, but at the, same, at the same stage, the show still continuing with the way it did in the first season. It still definitely could be watched without having watched Breaking Bad. But when these characters come on screen, if you've got the history with them, you kind of understand where we're heading a bit more with them. Uh, Mike's storyline in this in this season, much like Jimmy's, comes to this, this, this moment in the finale that kind of, is definitely just them heading towards their their positions in Breaking Bad so and the acting is fucking fantastic and the editing is also fucking fantastic some of the best editing I, I think there's several montages in this show in this in this season that are fantastic put together with these uh the absolute perfect choice of music to go along with each one to represent what's happening emotionally at the time really really great 
At number three, Westworld. We've ridden 10 miles and always seen his blood. Is this really what you want? It's us or them. So Westworld came back for its second season this year after a year off uh, and came back to mixed thoughts from our people. I know like me and Nick, as I was talking about before, uh, we did an after show, Bevan World, which you can, of course, find YouTube.com slash Explosion Network. Um, and I know both of us really, really enjoyed it. There was one particular episode that we wasn't a big fan of and a couple storyline pieces and whatever else, but you know. There's always going to be problems. Nothing's perfect. But I enjoyed it overall as much as season one. But I, it's definitely a different season than the first season. And I quite like that. I like that they're not trying to slow ball it. They're not like, oh, after the way that season one ended with this fucking, like the park basically going to shit, we'll just like quieten everything down and we'll be able to do another season like the first one. Because the first season is basically you get to see what the park's like. You get to see what people coming into that Westworld park, get to see them interact with it like it's a normal... It's like watching Jurassic Park if the whole movie was actually... Kind of like Jurassic World, I suppose. You know, you get to see what the park's actually like when it's running, you know, before it kind of all goes to shit. Whereas season two of Westworld is the park's gone to shit, what's happening now. And season three, when that returns, I'm looking forward to because I know, once again, it's going to be completely different and they're not slow bowling the series. But that's exciting to me. I understand people just want kind of they're like i know what i like and i want more of it until they get bored of it but the westworld people behind the scenes are like no we're gonna keep the plot moving got to, got to do some things what do i have at number two ash number two we have brooklyn 99 season five the part where scully said the pigs were being force fed these pigs weigh more than 200 pounds which means they're finishing pigs and why would a farmer force feed a finishing pig i don't know what finishing pigs are me neither i'm totally lost because he was feeding them something other than food the diamonds she's moving them inside the pigs let's move uh brooklyn 99 definitely one of the best shows currently on television so good that when it was cancelled it was brought back within 24 hours um uh, the season sort of focused on the kind of focus on the Jamie, uh, Jake and Amy uh, relationship with uh, him proposing suddenly in like the fourth episode, which was a great surprise sort of out of nowhere, though, and uh, culminating in their, their wedding ceremony in the finale, which was a great, great moment. A lot of great episodes, uh, storylines as well. They had uh, Rosa come out as bisexual about halfway through the season and uh the end of that episode got me choked up like Captain Holt. One of his, the best lines in the show is, um, I think, I don't want to butcher it, but uh, every time someone comes out, uh, like reveals the, their true self, they make the world better, which I think is like a great quote, that sort of thing. So great show, great moments. Again, The Box is a fantastic episode. And uh, yeah, but launch of lots of fun guest stars and fun bits. And yeah, but. Very funny show still. Number one, The Good Place, season three. The Good Place. That they would have become good people if they'd just gotten a push in the right direction. Oh, no. What are they talking about? No idea. It's only four people. And it's clearly the best way to see if bad people can become good without knowing anything about what's waiting for them in the afterlife. Just when you think you think you can figure out where the show's going it just goes in a different direction uh i just never know what's going to happen each episode and it's always funny as well um 
Darcy Camden as uh, Janet gave like a career best, like a performance that is going to set her career up, I think, uh, in this episode that just aired called Janet's, where she pretty much plays every other role in the episode. Um, uh, Manny, Manny, Manny who plays, oh, I can't remember his name, uh, but Jason, who plays Jason, he's so ignorantly funny. He's like, he just plays a dumbass, and it's just hilarious. Um, obviously, Kristen Bell is fantastic. Ted Dance is fantastic, um, and just you, yeah, you would, you would think that they wouldn't have much room to go because it was the first season was pretty much set on a twist at the end of it, and then the second season was sort of resolving that, and now they've this third season, nobody knew what they were going to do, or how it was going to be resolved, and it's keeps twisting and turning and. Showing interesting facets of the afterlife, which is where it's currently set. So yeah, interesting, intriguing, and and so it's very funny. Yeah. Number one returning series, twenty eighteen. Good, good place. place. Watch it. <laughs> I will. All right, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our last category: best Netflix, Amazon, or Stan original we say quote original because the there's look we'll get to it in a minute but ne- best netflix amazon or stan series of 2018 starting at number five bojack horseman on this new show philbert i'm philbert star of the show hey everyone bojack's here ready to shoot you say you want to get better and you don't know how bojack horseman uh animated tv show adult animated tv show just continues to be a stellar television show um, the season they sort of tackled the Me Too movement thing uh, with a number of different story li- story threads. Uh, we got to see a bit more of Princess Carolyn's backgrounds. Um, yeah, got to see the uh, Diane her background as well, and sort of explore her the problem, how she feels about her it because she's like a Vietnamese character, but she's voiced by Alison Brie who is a white actress mm. is sort of mm. exploring that dichotomy. And like, cause she's, she's grew up in Boston. She wasn't, she wasn't from Vietnam, but she sort of goes to Vietnam for a vacation and sort of explores that sort of story. And yeah. There's just so much to unpack and the drug addiction and that sort of stuff. And just, it's a very Bojack Horseman se- season. And there is this incredible episode called uh, Futuro, which is just, uh, Bojack Horseman delivering a eulogy for 30 minutes which is uh, riveting to watch yeah incredible <laughs> <laughs> you would think that it's, would <laughs> yeah every time I hear about Bojack because I've never started it for no particular reason just yeah like it's just never happened but I'm um, because I remember even like talking about last year because I'm pretty sure they made it on our top 10 last year yeah I'm pretty sure, sure or I at least talking about it or like you telling me or something I, like I know you like this show but every time I hear you talk about it I'm just like this show always sounds way more intense than it should for a, like, a show cartoon with cartoon show. animals. Yeah, it just seems <laughs> like an, a straight up comedy show. But every time we talk about it, it's just like such a like intense drama. It sounds like yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they also they also do uh, a good job of exploring asexualism and that sort of thing. So because once again, <laughs> you know, just to, just to make it even more serious. <laughs> there you go. What do we have at number four, Ash? Number four, we have the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I was a great wife. I was fun. 
I, I can't believe I'm losing him to Penny Pan. That's her name. Penny Pan. I'm sorry, but look at me. Who wouldn't want to come home to this every night? Uh, straight streaming on Amazon. Soul's Amazon show on this list. Uh, again, I, thank God we did that episode of What Do You Want to Watch where we checked out all these. Yeah, that was a shows. good idea someone had. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll take credit as the host and produce. No. Because <laughs> Marvelous Miss Basil is the best thing. It's so good. Just the writing is incredible. All the performances are really good. Even people you think you're going to dislike pretty much from the start, you eventually sort of come around on them. And yeah. Are you giving me spoilers? Because I fucking no. dislike her husband, ex-husband. So You, you might. You, you'll see where you are in two seasons time. Okay. Because he was a you might dick grow in that you. first episode. Well, it's just, yeah. And they so. just deliver dialogue in just long takes. And it's, yeah, it's just fun to watch people deliver dialogue like that a reason to subscribe to amazon prime apart from the fact that you can use your prime subscription on twitch.tv slash explosion network yeah (laughs) get that one in there you get that two day free shipping it's pretty great that's right it is pretty great especially around this time of year (laughs) (laughs) uh what do we got at number three ash number three we have riverdale the netflix original series that occasionally shows up on cw 24 hours well, several hours before, comes on Netflix here in Australia. The story is about a town, once wholesome and innocent. Pops is one of the only places left in this town that my friends and I can call our own. Veronica Lodge is not a victim, nor will she ever allow herself to be one. Hi, I'm Cheryl Blossom, a.k.a. Cheryl Bombshell. Betty Cooper. Yeah, so this is the one I was going to clarify. For Netflix, in our eyes, is if it's a Netflix Australian tv show that's what counts here you know like it's a cw show in america but as far as it's concerned here much like the good place yeah it is a netflix show because the good place is aired on whatever channel i mean then um, spoilers good places on this list but <laughs> yeah i know but if it like it could have been on this list <laughs> it could have been on this list yeah that's that's the thing um but yeah uh yeah so R- riverdale it's it's weird look, right <laughs> It's gone weird, but at the same time, it's still Riverdale, and it's I'm still really really enjoy it. Yeah. And this season, although it's this season is basically why you shouldn't play D and D 101 because you will die, you will die, die, die if you play D and D. Monsters will attack you and all sorts of fucked up shit. And yeah. acting turns is still out D and D was created to punish children in church. Children, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I'll, I'll, if you don't want, if you want to know where Riverdale's at these days, here's the slight spoilers. I mean. This is what happens. Episode one, here's where we're at of this season. Episode one, season three, Archie, prison. But, uh, Jughead discovers D&D and then also discovers with Betty a giant crow-like monster that's apparently like from the- Like a goat-like the, creature. The goat, yeah, like goat monster or something. Scarecrow. It, it, while walking around that's come to life from the D&D game. D&D is not called D&D in the game. It's called- uh, G&G. The Eagles. Gargoyles. And and- G&G something gargoyles griffins and- griffins and gargoyles griffins that's it griffins and gargoyles yeah it's like well we know what you're saying everyone and there's also a really really good episode probably my favorite episode of the season so far has been the one where they all the actors played their parents on the tv show yeah, and we flash the back to when club. they were in school the mid yeah it's basically it's basically the episode is basically the breakfast club yeah like remade <laughs> that's 
pretty much what it is. And that episode is really good because it's just a whole episode where they get really into GND and they walk around and they eventually end up all dressing up and playing around school in GND. And then, and then Michael C. Hall them. ends up dead in a cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens but Riverdale continues to be at times terrible but also so bad that it's so good and then when it's it's actually good at some point so it's really high so but we all enjoy it um enjoy it we all enjoy it at the explosion network i believe well the majority of us enjoy watching it so yep that's what matters the majority wins overall numbers ash that's facts at number that's two democracy that is democracy and number two we have the haunting of hill house We've talked about several times uh, by this point because it was nominated for so many, so many awards, up for so many, so many awards. And it's just, uh, look, there's a reason it's at number two and you'll see in a second why it's at number two. And I'm, I'm happy for it to be at number two, even though, because for what the category is, best best Netflix, Amazon or, or Stan series, because I, I, I would say it's Netflix's second best series for all the reasons we've gone over. It was just amazing television drama horror series if you haven't checked out you should by now for all the reasons we've already listed but the reason it's at number two is because number one is what ash it's queer eye the show with five the- gay men making over people i think my dad is lonely i want her to be excited about the new me remy is surviving and i need him to start thriving how long does it take for this to accumulate like yeah I, I feel like it was the biggest like I don't, I don't, I don't know the numbers. I'm sure maybe other other shows have done better or something. I don't know. But as far as I'm concerned, from like public perception, Queer Eye was the biggest win for Netflix all year. Yeah, like I feel it's just massive. Like once it kicked off, that's the thing. It kind of came out of nowhere, but then when it did kick off and when people started watching it, my Twitter was just constantly full over the months after release of people finally discovering it and being like, "Holy shit!" No one told me about like how good, <laughs> like, yeah. Have people been saying how good Queer Eye is, and then like you'd see it, like a week later, another person, no one's t- told me how good Queer Eye is, and they were like down here in Australia, they did like a little mini YouTube episode down here at one stage, yeah. they did a crossover with some other shows, they came straight back for a second uh, series a couple months later, which we're oh look, they already had backed up in yeah. case the show went well but still it was such a hot success by the time season two rolled around we were all like yes we, we were like pumped ready for this we're all like yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just sitting there waiting so uh yeah i think two really great seasons of a show in one year after launching and there's two really yeah. good seasons in the same year that you launch and becoming this like kind of worldwide phenomenon Pretty much sort made of. all five people like major celebrities. Superstars. Yeah. Yeah. And even uh, the people I, that they make over, they've become. Yeah, into celebrities on Twitter and stuff. Yes. Yeah. I and feel then like they, the do, addition they do of- meetups. <laughs> like they've all the yeah. contestants to meet up and stuff. Oh, that's so. Warms your heart. The world we live in now, the biggest difference between the original series and this, apart from like differences on the show but also the fact that the people are now on twitter and so funny people like like the ones who actually get married and they'll post pictures of their like you know after the show of them being married and was like oh my god and like showing them and stuff like that so the show never dies the queer eye episodes live forever yeah <laughs> like they're still evolving what's happening we're still finding out but yeah i think queer eye was a massive success now the biggest success from for biggest Obviously, our favorite streaming service show here at the Explosion Network. But at the same time, I feel like it was the most general populous yeah. success, I and guess. It, it I, needed feel. to be on something like a Netflix. <laughs> if it had been yep. on 
NBC or like one of the like Bravo or something or mm-hmm. something. I don't think it would have worked as well. Or if it was shown it got lost. weekly, I don't think it would have been mm-hmm. received mm-hmm. or seen as by as many people. No, neither. I think it definitely fits in nice on the Netflix module. And it kind of proved that Netflix can do like, because they stepped into this reality TV game yeah. with with this and a couple other shows, like Nailed It this year as well, um, which we talked about before on the it's list sort of as well. Sort of broadened their scope, yeah. Because then they did <laughs> yeah, they a bunch of like news TV shows as well. Or late yep, night which didn't formats. have as much success as these, but... Some success, yeah. So they've... Yeah, they sort of Good set them Netflix. up to do different things. Yep, for sure. And that is our number one Netflix, Amazon, or Stan series. There was no Stan series on the list, but that was allowed to be. <laughs> it's there as a <laughs> not yet. It was part come on, Stan, was, lift your game. Lift, yeah, come on, prove prove Australia right. Do some good things over here. But that was our top five across the categories of new te- television TV series, best episode, best actor, best returning series, best Netflix, Amazon, or Stan, or Stan series. Once again, make sure you check out explosionnetwork.com slash best of 2018 to find more of our best of 2018 content and subscribe to this podcast that you're listening to right now called Top 5 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcasting service that you'd like to use to make sure you're able to listen to all of our best of 2018 episodes previous to this or ones coming out after this. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivaladil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. You can follow Ash on Twitter at Ashley Hobley, A-S-H-L-E-Y-H-O-P-L-E-Y. Follow the Explosion Network on Twitter at Explosion Pod. And be sure to let us know what your favorite to Netflix, Amazon stand, returning series, actor, episode, or new show was by tweeting at any of the applicable places. Yep. Until next episode. Bye. Bye.